Welcome to Real World, a podcast from Stumo West for soon-to-be college graduates and young professionals who desire to walk faithfully with Jesus in the real world. I'm Adrian. I'm here with Dave, and we are your hosts for today's episode, and we have the privilege of sitting down with Carrie to have a conversation about conviction. We are pumped to be here. Carrie, thank you for joining us. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Nice. Just so our audience knows briefly, uh, how, how do you know us? How do, how do we know you? Who are you? Adrian and I both went to the University of Oklahoma. We were sorority sisters and Adrian was actually, ironically, my D group leader and convinced me to go to Kaleo one summer. And then we have forged a 10 year friendship, I guess, longer than that. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, 10 years. And Carrie was just someone who came to mind when I was thinking about this podcast on holding on to your convictions because she's someone who has walked faithfully with Jesus after she graduated college. And she's been someone that has continued to grow in godliness. And I would just love to kind of pick her brain on this topic because I think she's someone who's modeled this really well in Dallas. Yeah, I would agree. Looking at your life, Carrie, I think that you are, are doing this well and being obedient. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. Um, Carrie, Let's start with this question. What does it mean to actually be convicted by something, to have have a conviction? That is such a great question. I think thinking through this, it's sometimes hard to define words like this because it can turn into a Christianese word. But Mm -hmm. the way that I wrote it and then I think about it is that it's a sometimes strong and sometimes gentle nudge that shows you your actions might not be lining up with the heart of God. I think we can all relate to that a little bit where we have nudges that are happening in our experiences that we're like, oh, maybe that's not exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's helpful because it gets to the point that it's not just something that, oh, this is what I've chosen to, to, you know, feel strongly about. It is in the word conviction is something that I have been convicted about by the Holy Spirit, by the word of God. And I think that's an important distinction to make. Like, what is the difference between being convicted and having a conviction? Uh, so being convicted is a, you know, is a experience, something I experience conviction. I'm experiencing conviction about this thing, about drinking or my, the way I dress or the way I talk, et cetera, versus saying I have a conviction about the way I talk is, hey, I, ex- I do experience conviction about this thing and therefore it changes the way that I act in this area. It has some bearing on what I do. That's a really good way to put it. I never really thought about the difference between convicted and conviction, but I really like the way that you said that. So why are convictions important? And is conviction a good thing? And if so, why is it a good thing? I think conviction reminds us of our dependence on the Lord. And often convictions will show us where we could have been running after our own desires as opposed to running after the Lord's desires. And I mean, really, one of the biggest examples I have of that and I see in scripture is with David. David was kind of all over the place in terms of his feelings and emotions and his actions. But we can see how David responds to everything, which is a really cool use of scripture. And we have the Psalms, which is a lot of David's responses to stuff. So if you look in Psalm 51, where David is responding to a moment of deep conviction, he's asking for reliance of the Lord. He's asking the Holy Spirit to purify him and renew him and to get him back on the track of where the Lord wants him to go. Well, yeah, I mean, the original question is, why are they important? It's because, well, partially because that's why we're still here on earth. Like we are, that's part of the reason why we're still on earth is to grow in sanctification and become a more clear picture of who Jesus was and to become to the rest of the world, we're meant to look like Christ. And so 
conviction itself, well, holiness is commanded of us, and conviction is one of the main ways that the Holy Spirit leads us to holiness. It's like we're commanded in the Bible to be holy because God is holy in 1 Peter uh, 1. Uh, we're commanded to put off our old self and to look more like Christ in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. We're commanded to not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2. Like all these places that we could look to in Scripture where it says, hey, yeah, be different because I'm different. And so how do we get there? It starts with feeling conviction from the Holy Spirit, feeling that understanding that, hey, this is contrary to how God would have me live. The Holy Spirit puts it on our hearts through the word and through our conscience that is given to us by God, which is a whole other topic we could talk about mm-hmm. on a podcast, which is great and a huge blessing from God. But those convictions are meant to lead us to look more like Christ. So it's not just this, like, oh, we're just meant to feel bad. Like, oh, you did something bad. All right, you're convicted and you feel bad and you're guilty. No, you, you did something bad, but it's meant to ultimately lead us to holiness. It's crazy to think about, but we should actually be eager to seek out conviction in mm-hmm. our life through God's word, which feels, I don't know, it just, it's like you hear conviction maybe used in like a negative way, but what we're talking about is conviction is a good thing because it points to godliness. It points to the hope of the eternal life that we're going to experience with God when we're going to be conformed to the image of God. And so when we're talking about... If I can add something to that, I think, yeah, we see that in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews says to strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so we should be striving for holiness. And how do we get there? It's through conviction. It's through our life being filtered through Christ and being convicted to act more like God and to pursue holiness. And so it, it is something that, you know, it's kind of weird to say, but we should, yeah, we should, we should seek out conviction. So on that note, Dave, are there certain convictions that every Christian should have? In relation to the conviction to pursue holiness on a general level should has to be present for every Christian, has to be a part of the Christian life. It says very out- outrightly, very clearly commanded, like I just said, hey, we're commanded to be holy. If we're following Christ, that's not negotiable. Um, and I, I think there's the reason that God did that is because we're meant to be his ambassadors here on earth. We're meant to to show what someone who loves God acts like and therefore show the glory of God. And there's a cool quote that I love about that from an old author named A.W. Tozer. If you don't know who that is, go look him up, read just about any of his books. He's awesome. But he wrote that the power of Christianity appears in its antipathy, which is just its oppositeness, its difference from. The power of Christianity appears in its antipathy toward never in agreement with the ways of fallen man. So he's saying that, that the power of Christianity, the face of Christianity is always shown in how different we are from the rest of the world, from people who aren't following Jesus. And I know a lot of times in like circles where we're sharing the gospel and in evangelical circles and campus ministry circles, it's, hey, you know, be be a person of influence, be, um, you know, likable, be winsome, all those things, all those things are good, but we have to have parts of our life that look different. We have to have things that we are willing to stake our claim on as, hey, I'm going to live like this. Really what I want to get back to here is that if we go to Matthew 22, 35, our number one command is to love the Lord with love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so I'm honestly hesitant to give a list of convictions that I know about here because if we just get stuck in this rule following place and only following rules because somebody else is telling us to, that ultimately is not a healthy conviction, I would say. We want our motivation truly to be from a place of loving the Lord that is moving us to action as opposed to just following rules that somebody else has told us to. What do you guys do 
if you have convictions that are different from somebody else, people around you, people at your church, et cetera? That's a really great, great question. And it happens all the time. I think that was one of my biggest life lessons going from college to the real world is that there are people all all around me who are believers who have different convictions than I do and different understandings and different applications of scripture than I do. I think, you know, I've been spending a lot of time in Romans. So there's a lot in Romans that can help us unpack this and uncover this a little bit. The first kind of example is Romans 12, where it tells us not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. I think even in that, our world looks so different based on where you're geographically located. So that's our first example that, hey, convictions aren't going to look the same for everybody. As in conviction for a teenager in America is not going to look the same for conviction as a teenager in rural India. Like those are different. So our convictions can be different. They don't have to look the same, but that doesn't mean that we get to go around and not love people and, you know, yell at people and argue with people because their convictions are different than ours. I think we get into that again, as you continue on with the story of Romans, when you get to Romans 14, where Paul is explaining all about different convictions, specifically with food that the people that he was addressing in Rome at the time was a group of Gentiles and a group of devout Israelites who had different views on food and what food they should and should not be eating. And Paul is essentially saying like, it does not matter. Look to the Lord, speak to the Lord about this stuff. Like this is something that you are getting caught up in the weeds. You're not understanding. You're fighting about something that is irrelevant here. Truly the foundation of this is a relationship with Jesus, like an active relationship with Jesus. You can't form convictions. You can't be led by the Holy Spirit if you don't have an active, growing, sharpening relationship with the Lord. And I think that's a, a perfect time to mention that, you know, convictions don't come from other people. Like so, so if I if I'm trying to mentor someone or if I'm being mentored from someone, I can't just give them my convictions or I can't just take all the same convictions as this other person. You know, that there are things God uses other people through the spirit to bring about conviction in our life, just like he uses the word and the people that he's using in your life should be using the word as well. That's where it should all be coming from is from God. But I can't, you can't just copy and paste convictions. That's one of the things that Paul is, is talking about in Romans 14 is people are saying, Hey, you should just have the same convictions I have. And what, what essentially you're saying when you say that is that the Holy Spirit shouldn't convict you the same way he's convicting me. You know, I read a great article that kind of broke down a few questions to think through when it's like, okay, what should my convictions be in this certain area? What does it take to be fully convinced about this? And here are these three questions and I wanted to share them. So the first one was what I am committed to not sinful is what I am committed to honoring to Christ is what I am committed to the best way I can think of for me to act in this situation. And I thought those three questions were a good way to just really like brace yourself in that scenario of, okay, what I, what am I fully convinced of here and why am I fully convinced of this? Okay, Carrie, I praised you for this earlier and I think you might have some good insight to share with our listeners, but why do you think it's so common that people's convictions change after college, especially if they are involved in a college ministry, they may be, you know, all living life the same. Then after college, it looks like everyone's living life different. And so you've probably seen people whose conviction grow deeper and you've seen people whose convictions get looser. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think 
simply put, you have more time for reflection at that point. You have different inputs and different, you know, people who are influencing your life. And I think if you don't get fully rooted and grounded and surround yourself with people who are going to help you grow and mature and sharpen you, it's really easy for your convictions to change. It's really easy for you to get into groups of people who can sway and move and change how you act in situations. Yeah, I think I saw this happen in my own life that one of the things that changed for me is that I went from deep, like intense and frequent connection with other people who were really trying and striving to follow Christ and striving to be holy to the holiest people that I was around, I was only loosely connected to. I was further away from them geographically. I spent less time talking to them. I spent less time being influenced by them, doing things with them. I started doing more things with people who weren't following Jesus. I started, uh, yeah, like I just stopped being in an environment where people around me were pursuing holiness. And what I realized through that is that I was taking my cues from Christians, not taking my cues from the Bible. Um, there, there were cues that were definitely biblical that I was taking from other people. And like we were talking about earlier, I was trying to copy paste them to my life and realize really quickly that, hey, I, I was leaning on someone else's walk with God to try to propel me into obedience in this situation. And as soon as it was gone, I was like, oh, well, I guess I don't feel as bad about watching that thing or listening to that or speaking this way. You know what I mean? I, it, just, it just evaporated because who was around to care. <laughs> yeah, that is such a good point. And I know for me in college, I was used to someone was always holding my hand through every stage as they go, hey, what are you reading? Have you thought about memorizing this verse? They would see areas in my life and point them out and say, hey, how are you growing in this area? Can I share what God's word says here? And after I graduated, it was like no one was holding my hand anymore. And I really didn't have the personal individual skills to or really, I guess the conviction to grow spiritually on my own. I just was expecting someone else to, you know, provide that for me. And I was humbled severely because really my, my walk with God is dependent on me. Like, yes, the Holy Spirit is in my life, but I play an active part in my sanctification as well. And that takes discipline. That takes getting up early. That takes, hey, this is an area I want to grow in. Let me go seek out some resources on my own and continue to grow in this. And I, I needed to be the one that was holding my own hand and guiding myself. It's your relationship with the Lord. It's not somebody else's. Yeah, well said. Yeah, as you think about your own life, Carrie, after college, like what are some things that you've done, maybe things that you failed in or maybe things that you were successful in in building and deepening your own convictions? For sure. I think I'm still learning this. You know, many, many years, I say many, many years removed from school, it's, it's a growing and learning process. I think that's what the Bible lays out for us is that, is that sanctification means we're never going to get this perfectly and we're never going to do it right. For me, I immediately jumped in to a church and found grounding and surrounded myself with people there. What was very interesting about that experience is that coming from a sumo type organization that for me was very structured and I had a lot of support jumping into a community group with people who have vastly different backgrounds and understandings and convictions was a huge adjustment for me. I think my community in particular challenged me a lot with some legalistic tendencies and 
you know, really challenged me in confession and turning away from like repentance, repentance, truly walking away from sin, which for me as a little rule follower was a big change, but was so helpful. And I don't know, just very, very encouraging and long, long run. It was so great. So surrounding myself with people who might've had vastly different backgrounds than I did was actually really good for my growth. That's good, Carrie. I think that is so important. Yeah. Getting yourself in a church and getting yourself around community that's going to continue to sharpen you. Dave, what about you? Is there anything um, that you did to help deepen your convictions after college? Yeah. Well, like I said, right after college, I failed uh, miserably at times, (laughs) you know, failed very and publicly at times, um, you know, but fortunately, Praise God for his grace and praise God that his glory is made manifest in our weakness. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think one important question for me was getting to a point where I said, hey, is God pleased with what I'm doing right now? Anyway, if I ask the question based on what I know about God from his word and based on what I've like, how I've been convicted from his spirit, would he be pleased to if you know, he is present in that room right there. So I don't have to imagine if he could see what I was doing. He, he knows exactly what I'm doing, what I'm saying, what I'm watching, how I'm acting, how I'm spending my time, et cetera. And so asking myself and being introspective and being self-critical, constructively self-critical, like, would God want me to be doing this? Would he have me act a different way? Would he have me respond a different way? Would he have me think a different way about this situation? And if it is, if I do need to change, asking someone who I think does have high character in that area, reading books about um, about having convictions. Um, if you want a suggestion, go pick up uh, Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges. That's an amazing book talking about the things that we've just decided are okay for us to do and the Bible speaks very clearly towards and that God is not okay with. Um, definitely go pick that up if you want, if you're trying to help develop, trying to develop some convictions in your life. That's really good. I think what I would add to that as well, just from my experience and my story is getting to points where I have to ask myself, Hey, do I, do I want to be following the Lord asking those questions and digging in to scripture, digging into other resources? Like you said, Dave, asking spiritual mentors, asking questions has been a big part of my post-grad journey and landing in places and developing convictions in that to say, hey, I really, this is what I want to stand on. This is what I want my life to be grounded upon. I don't want my life to look like these people over here. I want my life to look like Jesus. Gosh, that's such a good question to ask. Like, do I actually want to be following Christ knowing that what it takes to follow Christ? It's denying yourself and striving to look more like him. It is a free gift that God gives, but it costs everything that you have. It costs your life and he makes us this new creation. So there's this element of just embracing, hey, I'm I'm not me anymore. I am redeemed and chosen and set apart. And all those things are amazing titles that I cling to. And I love that God describes me in those ways. And the reality of that is that means I'm going to look more and more like Christ. I'm going to give up more and more of my old ways to look more and more like Christ. Carrie, I'm curious before we finish out and get to some practical things to leave our listeners with. What are some things that you would say in your life right now at at this stage that you're in that are clear convictions for you that people around you might not share, that you feel like you might be different in, whether it's in your church or your coworkers, et cetera, some things that you feel like you've been convicted to be different about? 
that's a really great question. And f- and feel free to, feel free to brag on yourself. I'm asking you to say, hey, how how are some ways that you, whether it's been challenging, whether it's been easy, what are some ways that you feel called to be different? I am happy to share. I very truthfully, we are in a society right now who really values information and seeking information. I think that's been a a huge challenge for me from the Lord of going, hey, my relationship is not defined by the knowledge and information that I have. And so letting go of expectations of listening to, you know, X number of podcasts a week or knowing all the scriptural Christianity based information to be able to spit fire with people and, you know, pump myself up because of the information that I know and God saying, Hey, it is okay. If you are spending, you know, two weeks on the same two verses of scripture to really understand them, you don't have to consume every single, you know, you don't have to read your Bible in a month or in any certain measure of time. You don't have to achieve all of these things, but knowledge is a big one. That was a little bit of a ramble. The other one is, which this is pretty common, but God's been doing a huge work and helping me understand what it means to be codependent and what it really means to please other people and whether my actions are pleasing to the Lord or I'm doing actions and I'm even serving people out of a place of trying to get something in return, as opposed to like laying my heart on the line for the Lord and having him search me and know everything about me. So that's a work in progress, but those are two huge areas that God's like, Hey, slow your roll. Like we're going to get there. What's been something that you felt led to be different from your coworkers or friends or et cetera. And that has been a challenge for you. That has been something of like, Hey, I feel convicted about this. Nobody else does, but I'm going this way. I think for me, it's how I spend my time after work. I think we also live in a society that tells you to work 80 hour weeks and that you know, achieving and doing and accomplishing is the best way to go. And that's how you get promoted. And that's how you like move ahead in the world. So for me, setting very, very clear boundaries of, Hey, I'm going to a church event tonight. Like this is my time. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't do any of that. Setting very clear boundaries for post-work life, work-life balance, if you will. And then I've really seen it come out in entertainment like you've mentioned there are people at work who are talking about certain shows that I'm like hey I'm not gonna watch that like I haven't watched that I don't care to watch it and it's okay the convert like the conversation goes on it's really not that big of a deal when you're like hey I haven't watched it I haven't spent all my time binging some show this weekend like I just haven't gone there it's not awkward like "Ah, I just don't have time for that so sorry what have you watched you know Man, I love that. There's a lot we could break down there of just, hey, how to handle those conversations. But I think biggest, most importantly, is that I think those are great examples of things that are different and things that the rest of the world aren't doing that point to because of your reason for doing them or not doing them. Hey, point to, hey, I'm trying to glorify God. I want to be, I want to make him known and not make Carrie known, not not just be in the know, not be up to date with everybody else. I just want to glorify God. And that's where conviction really should be leading us to in the first place.
Mm-hmm. And if I could add something, Carrie, something I've admired in your life and just through conversations is even just how you view social media. I know you really just see that as like a great tool that can be used positively and you see it as a tool that can be used negatively. And you're constantly evaluating that, asking the Lord how you can steward that well. And so you've had seasons where you've been on it and you've had seasons where you've not been on it. And I think you've just done a good job at not letting social media be a reflection of your entire life and the carry that you want um, people to see. But you're just like, hey, I'm not going to just throw pictures of my body up on my social media to attract the attention of guys or girls. And you've just encouraged people through your Instagram or, you know, chosen not spend time on it to avoid comparison and things like that. And so I've just, I've been challenged in my own life, by the way, you've had a conviction about social media. Well, let's finish up here. If for both of you guys, maybe we'll just end on this. Anything you guys would add to just kind of close this out as an encouragement for someone who's about to finish college, just got out of college for developing their own convictions, whether developing new ones or deepening current ones, what would you tell them? I would say that the first couple of years out of college are a whirlwind. I mean, you most of you have to manage your own finances for the first time. Your best friends aren't five minutes away. You have to figure out how to set up your utilities. There are truly real world responsibilities that you have that are so different from your time in college. I would encourage you guys to just be patient and know that you aren't going to have it all together in so many areas of your life. Y'all are experiencing a lot of change. I made a lot of mistakes. I've trusted people too quickly. I have changed convictions based on what other people have said, just like you said, Dave. There's patience, there's time, there's, you're not going to figure all this out in your first year out of college. That's so good. Yeah, I can relate to just wanting to figure it all out out of your first year of college. And I think if there was one main summation of this podcast is just, hey, convictions, they have to come from God's word and his spirit. You can't root convictions in another person's behavior or convictions. And so if you're moving to a new city and you find a new church, don't just adapt the convictions of your small group leader or the first Christian friend you meet. I think that can be extremely dangerous and harmful to your walk with God. Your convictions have to be rooted in scripture, but still surround yourself by good godly people, get involved with a good church and ask, ask God and get in his word on how you can continue looking more and more like Christ every day. Yeah. And I think you guys both hit it right on the head that it's not it's not a performance thing. It's not a worthiness thing. We're justified only through Christ alone, by faith alone. And so it's like having convictions isn't what gains us any more favor with Christ. It is what we're called to do. And so it is something that happens from the Holy Spirit and not something that we can look at our life and go, oh my gosh, I had, like my conviction changed or I failed on this conviction. I'm a terrible person. No. Our heart for you guys, our listeners, is that you are convicted by the Spirit and feel equipped to do it well and understand that this is a process and you'll be sanctified from now until the day that Christ comes back. It says that in Philippians very clearly. So we love you guys. That's all we have. Carrie, thank you so much for being on with us. We loved having you. 